0: What is up guys and welcome to the Meatball Minded Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jason. And I'm James. He's back in the studio. Yay. So... That means I'm out of COVID jail. Yay. Oh, uh... <laughs> How are you doing, James? I haven't seen you for a little while.
1: <laughs> joking. Close it all down. Close joking, it all down. <laughs> joking. Joking.
0: Oh, uh, seriously, dude, it wasn't even that bad. I just had a cold. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, how have you been? Did you have a good Christmas break? I did. It was a fairly quiet one, but yeah, it was nice. Yeah, did you have to work for it?
1: Uh, I'm quite lucky that I got a couple of days off, so... Nice, nice. Unlike you, with your week off.
0: Well, I, I got a week off, and then I was gifted a, a second week <laughs> off, which was... I never thought I'd say it, but not lovely. I've, yes. I, I, I went back to work last night, and my God, did I enjoy it. Only because you know it was in the middle of the night, and you know I didn't actually have to talk to anyone. But you know, back yep. to normal tomorrow, so I'll be moaning about work by the yeah, end. Yeah, I, I
1: mean, I a touch word. I'm lucky that I've never had the house. Obviously, we've we've all had the um, the lockdown periods where we might as well have sat indoors because nothing was open. But I have not had the misfortune to have to actually be confined to my house. Yes. So, um, yeah, my condolences on that
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, like, I've worked throughout all of it, and this was the first time I actually had to take... I mean, in in my entire working life, previous to this, I've only ever taken three days off sick. Yeah. You know, I'm 34 years of age, and I've taken three days off sick until last week, and that suddenly jumped to 10. You know, not through choice, obviously, but that that's... That's how it is. That's how it was. We're all over it. We're all good. We're all back to being able to play games, James, because that was what was killing me, was the fact that it wasn't that yes. I couldn't see people, it's that I couldn't play games. You mean to say you had a week off and you didn't test solo mode on any of these board games? I can't say that I didn't do that. <laughs> uh, I main, If I'm honest, I mainly played solo legendary, but I just I don't dig solo games. I'm just not into solo gaming. It's. No, it's... I mean,
1: I do appreciate that. Because gaming for me is a social aspect. as like, and you know, I, I play these games because I want to, you know, play with other people. Because,
0: like, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a very sociable thing to do. And yes. speaking of sociable, we are going to talk about a game today, aren't we, James? We are talking about a game. It's a brand new game to you, isn't it, James? It's a brand new game to me. You played it a couple of weeks ago before I ended up in COVID jail. Yep. And uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Die of the Dead, which was a game from last year. Just off the bat, what, did, what were your first impressions of it before we, we dive into it?
1: I really liked it. Yeah. It was. Uh, it's a good, fun little game with um, plenty of opportunities to uh really mess with the other
0: players which obviously that's a big plus for me indeed yeah and we're gonna dive into that a little bit more uh after we've had our discussion above the die of the dead obviously paul will be back with all of this week's news and kickstarter campaign so look forward to that a bit later but i think we've had enough idle chit chat we've been talking for nearly five minutes so should we dive into this uh discussion yeah let's do that awesome stuff so die of the dead is a dice rolling memory game by radical eight games And it was released just last year in 2021. It is for two to five players aged 14 and up with an estimated playtime of around 45 minutes. It's the Day of the Dead Festival and players take the roles of friendly spirits guiding souls from the land of the dead up the marigold stairs to the land of the living. To do this, players choose one of four highly decorated coffins containing coloured dice representing souls. Shake those caskets. Each casket also has two-part actions, which players will also complete to help them on their path to victory. The first player to best use their actions to guide nine of their colourful die souls up the stairway to the land of the living is declared the winner. That's the basic premise of the game, but what comes in the box when you purchase Die of the Dead, James? Okay, so contained within the box is... One set of
1: 3D stairs, four coffins, four coffin boards, four token boards, 12 tokens, 75 dice, five player boards, and
0: one City of the Dead board. Very, very nice indeed. Now, this is a Mexican-themed game, isn't it, James? Yes. And a lot of those components that you were just talking about, they don't necessarily have english
1: words like that do they no i was uh paraphrasing because i'm not attempting to translate the spanish (laughs) or even (laughs) uh, attempt to say the spanish words because no (laughs) yeah so
0: obviously the actual festival in in question is a mexican festival that is celebrated i am terrible and i don't like butchering other cultures things like that so essentially the english version is the day of the dead festival Let's talk about the theme before we talk about the components of this game, because how do you feel about the theme of this game, James? Uh, I think the theme fits
1: very well. You know, like you said, um, I think the Day of the Dead festival has been quite represented in um, uh, media. Spe- uh, specifically, I think it's one of the more recent James Bond films had a big thing in the opening, sort of, like, and a lot of people I, I see with the um, the sort of. Uh, the makeup,
0: mm-hmm. especially yep. around Halloween, yep. and um, is it a Disney film that's come up? It's Coco, yeah. yeah. It's uh, Coco. It's basically is Coco the board game, basically, yeah. you know, essentially. But it is a, a well-known festival, you know. It's it's a very bright and colourful, vibrant colours, you know, where the families and loved ones celebrate the lives of of the recently deceased friends and family, obviously. So you know, and they they'll have all their lovely murals in the, in the houses and general tributes to everyone that they have loved that has passed and i love the festival i really really do and it's i just love all the bright vibrant colors but this game even before you open the box is absolutely stunning i mean looking at it here you've got the sort of really nice sort of skull iconography on the front but it's not like skull and crossbones evil skull it's a really happy smiley skull (laughs) with all of the lovely artwork and stuff on it and Like I said, anyone who knows the film Disney, uh, Coco, will know exactly what I'm talking about. But that, in turn, does lead me on to talk about the theme and the fact that it's so nice to actually see this as a theme in a game rather than just the normal themes that we're used to seeing. It's something new. It's something unique about the game. And and that is a major tick for me straight away. It's it's something new to the table.
1: The artwork, the vibrancy of the colours. Yeah, it's... um... It's definitely, I, obviously I was introduced to this game by you, but yeah, if I saw this box on a shelf, I think I'd be drawn to it. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: So yeah, we're, we're talking about, you know, talking about how this game looks. We, we haven't touched on what the components look like or feel like, and we're going to do that now as we like to do. We're going to go and talk about those components. And I'll start off by continuing on from what I just said. The game as a whole is stunningly, stunningly beautiful. Everything in the game, or most of the components in the game, have that Mexican iconography all over it. The the 3D stairs, the marigold stairs, are just beautiful. They're a real sort of table draw. You know, you're walking past the table, you've got those lovely 3D stairs there. It's gonna draw people's eyes to the table and, and look what's going on, but they're they hands down beaten by the caskets. I was about to say it's that
1: I think actually if I if I hadn't seen this game and I was walking past the table,
0: it's the caskets that would draw mm-hmm. draw me to it yeah and it, it, i don't think we can even really do it justice talking about the caskets you know i will try and get some pictures of these up on our instagram so if you uh don't follow that or haven't seen it link for that will be in the description nice little plug mm-hmm. awesome stuff the caskets are stunning and they're really well made as well they feel durable considering the dice that need to be inside them and, and in some circumstances there's a lot of those dice in yep. there they are very, very durable. So let's let's talk about the dice. I know we, we could talk about the caskets again in a minute if you so wish, but let, let's talk about the dice first because I want to get them out of the way. Yep. How do you feel about the dice? Um, to say the way we've
1: been going on about this game, I'd say the dice are they're just standard coloured dice. <laughs> yeah. Um, that you would get in most like I wouldn't say most entry level board games, but the kind you know the kind you get in a dice yep. pot basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. they're fa- fairly basic. They do the job. Yeah. Um you've obviously got the special dice in there, which I'm sure we'll get to in the rules section, mm-hmm. um, which have the skull on them. Yep. Uh but yeah, other than that, they're just standard D6. Yeah,
0: I mean they're they're probably a bit more hefty, a bit more chunky than uh than your standard dice, I would say. But other than that, that they are very bland, opaque dice. Uh I think they really missed a trick. Considering how much effort they put into everything else, I probably would have gone maybe a more dual Style dice, a crystal, crystal acrylic style dice. You know, just to continue that theme, just a little bit more. Just needed to be just that little bit extra. But yeah, I'm going to say it now. That's the only negative I have about the uh, about the quality of, of this game. What about you? Is there is there anything else that really draws your attention? Or
1: yeah, I mean, I don't I don't even necessarily think it would be a, a negative in my mind. It's like yeah, all right, they could have been a little bit better, but there's nothing inherently bad about Mm, them yeah just get that one out there but yeah i mean considering the effort they've gone through the rest of the game it's i suppose
0: it's a bit of a well they're just standard dice yeah moving on yeah exactly (laughs) so let's do you want to talk more about any particular components that stand out to you
1: um no i think we've done the two the two standouts are definitely the
0: marigold stairs and the and the gaskets yeah and yeah, we're talking about the the little player player boards as well. Again, the the iconography is carried over to those as well. All that we can really say is the iconography is across everything, yeah. and it looks amazing. So yeah, it's what you'd um, for the standard punch board, I think. So it's w- yeah. what you'd expect from standard punch boards, durable. So yeah, let's talk about the gameplay because that it's a game and we like playing it. Um, how do you? feel about the gameplay i know that dice games aren't usually yours or even my bag so well, not just dice games memory dice, memory games, dice games, games yeah. which
1: um is a integral part of this game and is trying to keep track of what is where i am not very good at these games <laughs> well, you say that james but you won the first one i did which i think is rank beginner's luck because <laughs> um by my own admission, at the table, I was like, I haven't got a clue where anything is.
0: <laughs> but that's half the fun of it, yeah. James. But anyway, so that people can understand what we're talking about, let's talk about how the game works a little bit. So you have four caskets which are out on the board. Three of the four caskets will always be closed. The first one on the board will always be open, so you can see what's in that one. Next to those caskets, you also have um essentially some a list of instructions of what you want to do so when it's a player's turn you pick a casket and you perform the two actions which it states on those cards now the very first one is nice and simple you can add up to three prepared souls into the casket or one unprepared soul you then shake that casket if a one is revealed by any of the dice in there that casket is closed it moves along and bumps all of the other caskets on the one that was on the very end in space number four, doubles back and becomes the new number one. Casket opens. That's pretty simple. Okay, so casket number two, should the player choose to do that one, is you prepare up to two souls from your unprepared pile, they go onto your player board. Then you shake that casket and compare the souls which are inside. The winner, which is essentially the uh, the player's color, which has the highest number. So, for example, if there's one of every color in there, whoever's got the highest number showing on the dice wins. If there's multiple showing the same number, it then goes to that color's second dice. So, say, for example, me and James had both had a six. I also had a five and James had a four. I would win that roll off. The winner of that gets to also prepare a soul so there is a potential that a player could prepare three souls if they were the winner of that roll off as well and again if a one is rolled by any dice that casket moves along and the same happens with that the third casket should a player choose to do this you shake the casket and remove each player's duplicate souls leaving at least one soul in the casket for each player now this one is a horrible one as one of our good friends found out yep if you have quite a few dice in a casket at any one point and someone knows that they can use, and your casket happens to be on this particular location they're going to work they're going to do that because the second you have any dice which are duplicates they immediately get removed down to you know yep. so, leaving you with a, at least one in that as casket as an example of that
1: let's say casket 1 which requires the, roll, the ones to be revealed for it to shift up. Let's say that one hasn't moved for a while. And I've got quite a lot. I've, every turn I've been putting two prepared souls in there. Mm-hmm. So I've got about six dice in there. And then someone decides to pick casket three when it eventually shifts up there. Any duplicates or triplicates or mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So say I've got six dice in there and four of them have rolled fours. Four of
0: them come out. All of those fours are coming out of the casket. Yep, it's and a that's the same if it's one. two twos and two sixes. That's still duplicates. They come out as long as you are left with just one dice. Yep, in there, it's perfectly legal. So that is a really nasty one. And there's a reason that someone might do that, other than to completely douche over their opponent. And that is the second half of that action, which is that you gain a token. Now, the tokens depend do different things depending on which side. The token boards. The the setup token boards you would be doing. But they can be anything from moving caskets immediately to Uh, adding dice. Swapping two caskets around. Swapping two caskets around. Upping your values of your dice by one. Or lowering them by one, whatever it be. Yeah.
1: So they're they're essentially very useful to have. They are so indeed. Our poor friend Dave. Most of us didn't actually know where it what where the dice were. We just wanted the tokens, and it just so happened that it, it was a casket with a lot of his dice in it yes. that was sitting in position three.
0: Yeah. I think uh, the aforementioned example you did just now, which was six dice. Yeah. Um. And the yeah, he was very very unlucky when I picked that. I didn't know whose was in it. If I'm honest, I thought my stuff was in it. But unfortunately, it was six of Dave's dice. And with the duplicates that were rolled, I removed five of them. Yep. So he was left literally with one dice. And that happened to him three times in the game, if I remember correctly. So yeah, that's a really nasty one. Moving on to the final casket. Now, this is the one that is essentially right before the Marigold stairs. This is the one where you would ascend your souls. And to do that, you shake the casket and you compare the souls the winner gets to ascend two of their souls onto the marigold stairs once that part has been done you get a choice of three things you either get to move the caskets along one space you get to gain a power soul which we will talk about in more uh, depth in a minute Or you get to ascend one of your souls from that casket. So obviously for that last one, you have to have a soul in that casket in order to ascend it. But that's a sort of a a secondary prize, if you like. But if Mm. you've managed to, if you won the roll off and you've already ascended two, you could choose that one and ascend a third. I mean, three in one turn, that's a third of the game. Uh, And it's
1: also worth noting at this point that the Marigold Stairs have icons on them depending on where you put, the dice some which of them give are... you
0: bonuses as yeah, well
1: because some of them are but what's important to note about this one is the roll-off it's like the player who shook the casket gets to ascend but if there's another player's dice in there and it's won the roll-off you have to ascend your opponent's dice instead Indeed. which is where those blank spaces on the marigold's There, so it's like oh you you can ascend it but you're getting nothing for it exactly yeah um and some of those icons will give you those power souls so you could assign, you could ascend 3 souls still get the power soul. Indeed. If that Indeed. space is open which is what pe- most people tend to go for first if it's available.
0: Indeed. So James, what are power souls? Well, I think the best way to try and describe this is when you start the game you actually start the game with 12 dice. In order to win the game you have to have ascended 9 dice. Now obviously as the game goes on you're going to start running out of dice. A power soul is an additional dice Which comes into your pool and it has two sides which are skulls. And they are essentially pick what number you wish. Yeah. So, for example, you put them in a casket and it gets to the end. We'll say that as an example. They shake the casket on another player's turn and reveal it. One of your skulls is showing. Another player has got a six. They immediately go, Ah yes, I get to ascend a die. And you go, No, you don't. I'm choosing the number six for my dice. Then we have a draw. So then Standard Protocol takes over. Who has the next highest dice? If that happens to be you, it's you that's going to get to yep. ascend the dice.
1: You get to pick any number for those skulls. It's either going to be a one or a six. Yes, A six because you want to win a roll-off, or a one because you want the casket to move. Exactly,
0: yeah. So yeah, they're really, really powerful in the game, but they you only get a maximum of three of them, and that's once mm. you have claimed them all. And of course, if at any point you've ascended those dice, you do not get them back. So you have to play smart with that. But also you have to remember if someone else is ascending your dice, they choose which dice go up. Yep. So they are going to eliminate your power souls. Exactly. Because of how powerful they are. So they are the four things that those caskets can do throughout the game. So let's talk about the game mechanics, James. How do you feel that they work? I think
1: they work brilliantly. Like, I said, uh, From that explanation that Jason's given, you can now understand why this is a memory game because you have to remember what's in which casket and mm-hmm. only the first one has its lid open. The rest of them are closed. So once, once the casket moves out of position one, you have to remember what's where.
0: Yeah. So yeah, mo- most of the, the actions in this game are performed and resolved by rolling dice. That's the the long and short of it. And that in turn does add a huge, huge degree of luck into yep. this game, which again is not my usual sort of forte. I don't like games with stupid amount of luck. There is no strategy really to this game, mm. other than oh, how many dice do you want in each casket? You know, you, you want to get your your percentage chance up of of winning that roll off, and eventually getting your your dice ascended and it is ultimately a race yeah it's a race to get nine souls up on those stairs but what i love most is is that is actually the roll off because you get that sort of someone's doing their, their turn they're shaking it and then there's the ultimate reveal and it's just the whole table is laughter and groans yep usually the groans come from the person who's just shit, has been shaking the case because they completely forgot they didn't actually have any dice yep in that well, in that coffin either that or the smirk when someone is shaking it because
1: you've kept track of where everything is and you go ah, that's got all my stuff in it <laughs> but it's the the memory aspect of this game cannot just be overstated because it's not only have you got to track where your stuff is you've got to remember where everyone else's stuff mm-hmm. is because if they're if the casket with all your opponent's stuff and it, it's edging towards that four, yep, fourth fourth yep. position it's like okay right I do not want that to stay there for his turn yeah. or her turn. So where's the where's the options to move? Yeah. And where's my stuff? And I've already forgotten where everything is.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so sometimes you might have to take that strategic move to go, well, I know the player who's next after me has got loads of dice in the ascending casket. So it doesn't really benefit me, but I'm going to add one soul to the very first one because then I get to shake it. Yeah. and hope that I reveal a one cuz then I get to knock him back all the way to the start. Yeah,
1: or I'm going to prepare two souls even if it's not really necessary to guarantee that that damn casket is going to move. Exactly, yeah.
0: So yeah, it's, it's there is an element of strategy to it, but most of it is yes. luck based. Yeah.
1: And there is the tokens of great fun as well. It's like when you when you can see someone's formed a bit of a strategy and you completely mess it up by just throwing a random token in there yep. it's like, and watching
0: them just go, oh. Is that, is that awesome one when you know someone's got all the way to the ascending one and they know they're the only ones in it and you've got three tokens which allow you to add dice. Yep. And the only stipulation on that particular token is that you have to do it before the casket is shaken. Yep. So as soon as they announce which casket they're going to go for, cool, right, one, two, three tokens, I'm adding three dice in there. Yep. Oh, hang on! Suddenly the odds are suddenly in my favour. <laughs> you know, it's. It, I love it. I yep. do love it. It's just, it's just when you think that you've got got this amazing bit of strategy. Yep. Someone just well chucks someone, a die into the mix. So,
1: someone has painstakingly worked their casket up to position four, and you've got that token that allows you to switch to adjacent caskets, yep. and you just go, "Oh, switcher, Rooney." yep
0: <laughs> <laughs> Exactly.
1: <laughs> oh, now 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 that one's in. Uh, it's my it's my turn. I've just flicked your switch already. Oh, now that one with all your dice in it is in position three. (laughs) Oh,
0: dear. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, dear, indeed. This is up to a five-player game. Now, normally with five-player games, we always start to hit into a bit of a problem, which is the downtime between player turns. And I want to just say, I think the downtime in this game is fantastic. Even at that full five-player count, turns go round so quickly and decisions are so quick especially on your turn, you know, all you have to do is pick a casket, do the two actions, move on. Pick a casket, do the actions, move on. Player turns are yeah. no more than two, three I think minutes. It's the advantage, and it's I
1: think it's what makes a good memory game is the rules have to be dead simple because most of the focus is on you remembering where everything is. If the rule set was overly complicated, it wouldn't work as a memory game because you're too busy trying to work your way through the rules and then you're immediately going to forget what's going on. Yeah. So, yeah, it's great. Like you said, just two actions, move on. Two actions, move on.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, for me, the, the game is long enough. You know, it's a 45... For once, I actually agree with what's on the box. I'd say 45 minutes for a five-player game is about right. You know, it has a really nice flow to it. It's not too long and it's definitely not too short. It doesn't outstay its welcome and it doesn't feel like it's over before it's begun. I really do like that. So... Is there anything else about the gameplay that you would like to talk about before we move on? I think we've covered it all. Yeah, cool. Let's talk about our final thoughts then for the game. James, final thoughts. Who would you recommend this game for and what do you like and what do you dislike most about the game?
1: Um, This this is another game I think. Um, I didn't actually see the recommended thing, but yeah, this is a 14 plus. I'm not sure I'd agree with that. I think you could go quite a bit lower.
0: I mean, I I wrote down initially that i thought you could go lower however i would say 14 plus is a good random age to pick in the sense of maybe if they're younger than 14 they would have to be specifically dedicated to wanting to play something like a memory game Mm. whereas someone of the age of 14 and over it's probably got a bit more of a chance on actually focusing enough that yeah. they can remember I, where stuff is.
1: I would say this game's rule set. I mean, the mem—there is the memory aspect of it, but I would say this—you could go down to ten. Mm. This could be a ten-plus
0: game. It's definitely a ten-plus game in the in the with the rules. Yeah. Um. But my my recommendation, personally, if you're going to go below the fourteen, is someone really needs to be up for playing a mer- you know, a memory game because that's mm. they're not going to enjoy it if they if they're not into say, a memory game at that age, whereas I would say over 14, there's enough hilarity and douchebaggery and mishappery and all of that jazz that it would keep someone entertained. Mm. So a, a few notes that I have for my final thoughts is this game was actually produced in Britain and it's about a Mexican tradition. Things like that usually tread on a very, very, very fine line between good representation and being just outright offensive to the the, uh, the culture that it's trying to, uh, to portray. I do have to say, though, I am happy that the combination between the beautifully applied art, uh, just the overall presentation, easy to understand rules, it represents the Mexican Day of the Dead incredibly well. A um, r- little bit of research online seems that that sentiment is echoed throughout the world including uh, including mexico which is big big tick for that one who would i recommend the game for me it's a really really easy game it's a gateway plus level i wouldn't say we're talking gateway level there's a little bit more to it than a standard gateway game like ticket to ride but the next level up definitely it is simple and easy to understand the gameplay time is not too short not too long as i said which is good The age rating, as we've just said, I think is pretty good, but potentially could be lower. I think the player count is really good. I will say I've played this at a two-player count as well. The five-player count is much better. Four and five, I think, is the optimum player count. However, very different style of gameplay with two. But yeah, I I think I'd recommend this to most people. I I think non-heavy-duty gamers might enjoy this. If you're not into dice games, I'd say actually give it a try because it is good fun. I'm not a dice, you know, a, a dice only game person. I literally, the only other dice game I have is Dice Hospital and memory games. This is literally the only one. I am not a memory game person because my memory is terrible. I don't remember important things. Uh, even remembering rules is is hard sometimes. But yeah, I really, really like this game. So you probably guess I'm uh, heading towards the Meeple rating. So. James, what is your rating for this game?
1: I'm going to give
0: Die of the Dead a nice
1: solid eight. Uh,
0: So, yeah, for me, just literally copy and paste everything I've just said. Another thing that I haven't mentioned throughout this game is right now, at the time of recording, you can pick this game up for anywhere between 30 and 40 pounds. I think that's a steal for this game. And I, too, am going to award this an eight out of ten. It is a great game so guys that is our opinions our first impressions and our well, i mean we've played it three or four times now but that's our opinions on the die of the dead dice game have any of you guys played it out there what were your opinions on it we would love to hear them you can uh, let us know all of those on any of our social media platforms or the discord server links to those will be in the podcast description but james it's time to hand over to the man in the news shed over to you paul
2: No, you can stay out there a little longer, thank you very much. I told you not to have that curry last night. You know full well what havoc anything spicy plays on your internals. Look, why don't you pop down the local police station and see if they have a need for a new method of crowd control. You're certainly more potent than any tear gas they must have. No, you've got enough blankets out there, thank you. Look, let me get the news done without passing out, then I'll consider letting you back in. That, or you need to go and find me a gas mask, or failing that, a full hazmat suit. I'm not exactly sure how toxic your posterior is, to be honest. Yes, I'm starting the news now, okay with you? Good. 2018, the famed Austrian game designer Wolfgang Warsch dominated the nominations for the Spiel and Kennespiel de Jar, with the likes of The Mind, Ganshon Clever and The Quacks of Quidlinburg. 2019 saw the spin-off of Vash's The Mind, The Mind Extreme, and in 2022, publisher Schmidt Spiel and Warsch are set to release spin-offs to two of his titles aimed at players far younger than the original target audience. Firstly, Mick Quacks & Co. Nuck Quindleburg, or With Quacks & Co. to Quindleburg, is a racing game for players aged six and up, which sees you trying to dig food from your feed bag to throw in front of your chosen mount in order to get them to move forward instead of standing in a place like a dope. Similar in gameplay to The Quacks of Quindleburg, each player building their own bag of tokens over the course of play, then drawing those tokens to try to further themselves to victory. Quacks and Co. to Quidlinburg will include a double-sided game board for a shorter or longer race and double-sided action boards for each type of coloured token, allowing you to play with different sets of actions from game to game. The other title due out from the designer and slash publisher in early 2022 is Alkshon Clever, which translates to also clever, with this game being targeted at players aged five and over. As such, your ability to combo in the designs is vastly scaled down from the original game, but the same principles are at work here. You want to get your hands on everything you can at the birthday party. Balloons, gifts, candles, and mountains of sweets. But will you be able to grab more than all the other partygoers? Auction Clever features gameplay similar to Ganshot Clever, with one player rolling dice on their turn, then choosing what they want while everyone else gets something from what's left behind. On your turn, roll the five dice. The faces on the dice show a joker symbol or an icon on one of four coloured backgrounds. Choose all the dice of one background colour, taking any jokers at the same time, then use the symbols on these dice faces to mark off items on the associated coloured area of your score sheet. If you mark off a circled item or a row of gifts next to a circle, you can immediately cross off an item in the section of the same colour as the circle. Crossing off this item may also give you a bonus. When a player marks off all items in one area, the game ends at the conclusion of that turn. Various items or rows that you complete have rainbow stars connected to them, and whoever collects the most rainbow stars wins. Both Mikwax and Co. Quindelberg and Ogtron Clever are both due in early 2022, with other language versions shortly to follow. With a plethora of board games hitting digital platforms over the last few years, such as Lords of Waterdeep, Ticket to Ride and more recently Wingspan, one such game that jumped on the bandwagon early was Pandemic, but as a few people have noticed, that's not currently the case as users are unable to find the game either on Google Play, Steam or iOS. Publisher Asmoday has apparently eradicated the game from all online stores for as yet undisclosed reasons. According to a recent post in the subreddit, the issue was first noticed when a user attempted to download Pandemic to a new phone. They discovered the game did not appear when searched, instead showing related mobile games such as Plague Inc., The user reached out to Asmodee Digital's support line who confirmed the removal and further said that the Microsoft version would be pulled on January the 31st, followed by the Nintendo Switch version at the end of July. An email from Asmodee's support read, First of all, we want to thank you and all the Pandemic players for your loyalty and support over time. Unfortunately, we are taking the Pandemic app off the stores. We have worked hard over four years on Pandemic, and withdrawing it from the stores has not been an easy choice. This decision was made with a heavy heart for a multitude of reasons which we cannot discuss. The Asmodee digital website also contains no mention of the Pandemic video games adaptation, along with the 20 other titles the studio has developed, including Catan, Gloomhaven and Terraforming Mars. Those interested can still play Pandemic via Board Game Arena, which was purchased by Asmodee in February of last year. One possible explanation is that Asmodee Digital is working on an inclusive digital app for Pandemic that will include all of its variations and expansions just like Catan Universe. Such an upgrade would allow cross-platform play and other quality-of-life improvements, and Asmodee could easily sell digital versions of the expansion within the app itself. Sorry, this has tickled mine and Brian's fancy. We know Pokemon trading cards are a big thing and support big money. There is a point to which the money involved gets a little eye-watering, and this chap has come up trumps. Former professional boxer and current YouTube creator Logan Paul recently purchased a sealed box of first-edition Pokemon TCG cards for $3.5 million, or £2,550,000 for us over here in the UK, from a close friend, which was claimed to be the only one known in the world. They even contacted the Baseball Card Exchange to get Authentication, a company specialising in authenticating trading cards. Paul outlined how they had bought the sealed box in the hopes of it potentially containing several incredibly rare Pokemon cards, such as the 1st edition Charizard or Blastoise cards. Eventually, Paul and the BBC representative who'd authenticated the box decided to open it on YouTube, only to discover that the 1st edition boxes for the trading card game looked a little odd. Once open, they discovered that they did not contain any pokemon tcg cards but instead held cards for the now discontinued gi joe trading card game thereby removing any value the sealed box once held at this revelation the representative from the bbce can be heard saying we've been duped Prior to Paul's purchase of the fake sealed box of Pokemon TCG cards, the YouTube creator made headlines by buying a rare first edition Charizard card for $150,000. The shortage of Pokemon TCG cards and customer demand have caused the price of first edition booster sets and boxes to skyrocket in recent years. With the emergence of fake products, such as the one purchased by Logan Paul, likely to only increase their price tags even further. I know we all value our cardboard collections, but really, how many games could we have bought with £2.5 million? We're heading on over to crowdfunding now, and all three of these are available on Kickstarter now. And first up is Sky Tier Horde by Sky Tier Games. It's for 1 to 3 players, takes 30 minutes to play, it's for 10 years and over, and it ends on Thursday, January the 27th. Tier Horde is a solo and cooperative card game inspired by tower defense video games. Waves of monsters will siege your castle, all the while a sea of minions will pillage all your resources. Choose a legendary hero to rally your troops, defend your walls and defeat the outsider. Now go and fight for the alliance. The core gameplay of Sky Tier Horde is the combat between waves of monsters and your hero and troops defending the castle. If you played card battlers like Hearthstone or Keyforge, you will find yourself at home. You lose if your castle is destroyed or if your deck runs out of cards. On the other hand, to win, it will not be enough just to survive the horde. You'll have to find the resources to leave the castle and tear down the gates that are spawning the waves of monsters first pledge level is the sky tier retail box and that comes in at 21 pounds or 25 euros which includes six separate decks base cards and tokens and all applicable stretch goals the all-in pledge comes in at 34 pounds or 40 euros which adds another two decks exclusive to kickstarter to the retail edition sky tier horde deluxe comes in a collector's box with an additional playmat and deluxe tokens for 51 pounds or 60 euros with the ultimate collector's edition adding an art book sleeves for the complete collection and a set of exclusive promo cards for 83 pounds or 99 euros and next up is collab by portal dragon it's for one to four players it's going to take you 90 to 120 minutes to complete for years eight and over ends on tuesday the 8th of february the dawn of a new age approaches and we stand at the precipice the unbridled power of nature awakens something within mysteries demand to be explored and the results are not always what we expect creepy creatures dangerous devices precarious potions Co-Laboratory Incorporated provides a shared laboratory space that is the perfect home for your and your outlandish creations. Build interesting devices that open new possibilities. Brew potions that grant you fantastic on-demand abilities. Create strange monsters and earn great renown, all while keeping an eye on your fellow scientists and their minions. Scientists bring research into the lab to use on their experiments, but they are not the only ones who benefit. Occupy a space adjacent to the research dice held by any minion and you can use it for your own creations. So you collect monster, device or potion dice to generate more research that can be used on your creations and expand the laboratory to give everyone new opportunities. With each new creation, your collection grows and the placement of each creation in your grid can create new opportunities or gain more renown. Once a player builds their twelfth creation, the end of the game is triggered and the player with the most renown or points wins. Colab employs a series of take-this mechanics where players provide resources, minions or other opportunities to their opponents in exchange for resources or points. Balancing how much you give away with the opportunities your opponent may create is the real trick to becoming the most renowned scientist in Colab. The Colab Retail Edition is available for £33 or $45 dollars. Deluxe Edition replaces the standees with plastic miniatures and is available for £44 or $60. And there's also an all-in pledge getting you additional player mats, plushies, card sleeves and their first game, Palm Laboratory, for £74 or $100. And lastly on crowdfunding this week is Hike, and it's the first game from publisher Snowboard Games. It's for two to six players, it takes 20 to 45 minutes to play. It's for eight years and over, and it ends on Thursday, February the 10th. Hike is a light and fast car drafting racing game with huskies. Players take on the role of mushers, or dog drivers, who assemble their husky sleds and race through the snowy wilderness. The players carefully select their huskies for their abilities to move over treacherous terrain and pace them in the sled according to their character. They gather the equipment and train their huskies and then the race is on. The players rely on their huskies' abilities and the preparations they've taken, a combination of luck and skill that would get them the first across the finish line. Do you have the equipment to take you through the treacherous terrain and have you taken enough time to train and care for all your huskies? Make sure that you're well prepared, because once you start racing, every musher is on their own, and may the best musher win. You can grab the musher pledge at £21, or €24 for the base game and any unlocked stretch goals. And we're heading on over to events now, and this weekend coming, that's Sunday the 23rd of January, sees myself and Mid Sussex Meeples hosting our first event of the year here in Burgess Hill. The location is Cypress Hall in Cypress Road and the postcode is RH158DX. The day starts at 10am and will run right through to 6pm just five pounds per head as usual with tea coffee squash and biscuits on tap and with the world as it is we've been asked to keep our faces covered as best as possible whilst using the hall as well as performing lateral flow tests before attending if we can i do have a fair few plastic face shields left and i will bring them along for purchase if required so at least we can see each other's faces i certainly look forward to seeing you all there Following weekend, Saturday 29th of January, has Abby hosting Surrey Board Gaming Group. Her day runs from 10.30 until 5.30pm, again just £5, with the location being the 7th Rygate Scout Group Hut, Timperley Gardens, Red Hill, RH1-2AP. And onto the weeklies, Wednesday has Crawley Gaming Community being hosted at the newly revamped store, the comic shop in Crawley, tended to gather from 6ish onwards until close, with plenty of snacks, drinks and even pizza for purchase if that's what you wish. Thursdays sees three groups running in the form of Worthing Board Gamers, down at the Ardington Hotel in Worthing from 7pm, dave is now back over in lewis with lewis board game club and the trinity gaming cafe from 7 pm through to 11. welcome you for an evening of gaming with a tuck shop on site also jake and chris would like to welcome you to dice and drinks in burgess hill for their thursday evening social entry is just five pounds for the evening with refreshments available for purchase in the shop crawley gaming club are back up and running again after the dreaded covid struck so by all means, head on down there on Monday evening at Tilgate Community Centre. But as with everything at the moment, things can come unstuck at any point. So stay posted to the socials just in case anything has to change at last minute. As I've said before, the board gaming community is a pretty sensible one and none of us would want to attend an event if we thought ourselves as a potential risk to others. Are you sure you've done omitting any and all gaseous emissions? really because that bush behind you looked a little more alive 15 minutes ago okay you can come in to say goodbye then well it serves you right anyway say goodbye to everyone and it's a goodbye from me remember keep safe meeples keep those dice rolling the card shuffling and we'll be right here for you next week hang on what do you mean sorry Ah, damn it! You bugger, you've been saving that up.
0: Thank you very much for that, Paul, and thank you guys for joining us once again for another episode of the Meeple Minded Podcast, where we have been talking about the Die the Dead game, James. How did you think this one went? Oh, well, it's good to be back. Good to be back after a nice little break. It is indeed. I'll tell you what, I'm really glad you're back, because I hated recording on my own last week. I feel like (laughs) such an idiot sitting here talking to myself. You do that most nights, don't you? Oh, well, (laughs) you're not supposed to tell people, James. But yeah, I'm glad that you had a a nice little break over Christmas. (laughs) Unfortunately, we didn't get to play that monstrous list of games that we said we were going to play through work and... Yep. Me being shoved in, you know, shoved in self isolation jail. Yeah, we're gonna make up for that, though. We are indeed. We got a few games planned for this week, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Um, and you will probably hear about them in the very, very near future. We've actually come up with a bit of a plan today, so uh, I think we've planned about a month. Oh, about a month two months ahead now i think in yeah. episodes we're really stepping it up this year won't carry on i don't think but, yeah. <laughs> that's too much like hard work <laughs> we can order organize a game but can't organize a calendar yep <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to talk about today james no i think we've covered everything you know awesome stuff it's... i think we should head off maybe play a quick game before uh, calling it a night and yeah we will see you guys next week for another episode Won't tell you what it's about. It's going to be a topical one, though. Ha ha! There you go. little sneak peek. Thank you very much for joining us, guys. My name has been uh, Jason. And I've been James. And you've been listening to the Meeple Minded Podcast. We'll see you next week for more tabletop gaming goodness. Ta-ta. Goodbye.